This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. We, we try to fix the, the mistakes we did. That's oh, Every time you have to do that, today is not a, a different day. We made mistakes today, we, we still win the game. But tomorrow we have to go to the training ground and understand what we did wrong today to don't, to don't make the same mistakes in, uh, in the next game against Liverpool because um, we should and we will uh, take care of the mistakes we do and, uh, and try to don't do it again. That's it. I think the team um, has to go game by game understanding what we could do better or what we should do better you don't be in the same positions at, at some games we have been in the, in the past, like Leicester game or Aston Villa or Everton. Uh, and today in the first half, um, we, we have to go tomorrow and again and understand what went wrong today and, uh, and fix that. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. Bruno Fernandes speaking after Man United's comeback win against Atalanta. Uh, in midweek. It's me, Ross. Thanks for joining me. It is a Friday evening. And yes, Bruno does sound as confused as the rest of us. Believe you me. <laughs> it's it's a big mystery. Uh, you can follow us, BFM Football, on Instagram and on Facebook. Joining me this evening, we've got Des Corkill. Hello, Des. Hello, all. There's been a lot of great football in Europe and in Asia this week. AFC Champions League and AFC Cup was pretty special. Looking forward to today. Yeah, I can't watch everything, not with the cricket going on as well. I mean, come on. Uh, Bob Holmes is also here. Bob, you understand, Bob. I do. I don't watch as much cricket as you, uh, (laughs) but the football was fantastic. 35 goals one night, and I think similar the next. Who Uh, knew Omanis can play cricket quite well? Who knew, eh? I do now. I'm I'm talking goals, not runs, Ross. Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's Craig Marias we can hear laughing in the background. Hello, Craig. Hi, guys. Uh, Wow. Um, Yeah, you don't need to watch Man United at 3 a.m. I mean, it's not great for the heart, I tell you that. I tell you what, let's leave you on and let's start with that game. (laughs) Um, Atalanta, two up. Uh, at halftime at Old Trafford, he, they were booed off Craig. But as 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 it comes to happen these days, when it when push comes to shove, they do pull or, or if you like, Ole pulls one out of the hat and they turn it round. But is it just temporary, papering it over? Yes, it is. It's paper over the cracks. Um... I mean, what can you say? I mean, you say Ole pulls it out of the bag and yeah, it is. But how many times do you want to go a goal down or, or two goals down and, and, and keep pulling it back? I mean, to be fair, I mean, like when I was watching that match, I didn't think United played that bad in the first half. Um, they created so many chances, uh, but they got punished for not taking them. And I think Atalanta probably had two chances and, and took them both. And, and that was the difference at the interval. Um, you know, you've got Rashford hitting the crossbar. You know, Fred missed a couple. Um, Ronaldo missed a, another one. And, and, you know, it could have easily have been United, you know, 3-2 up, 4-2 up um, at halftime. It was, you know, the, the attacking play was good and they were getting into the right positions. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, they needed to go into the back of the net, the ball. And, um, and, and United were struggling to do that. Um, whatever was said at halftime, um, and whether it was the players, Ole, whoever it was, um, it sparked something into the players because they came out that second half and 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 they pressed um, and they, they really made life difficult for Atlanta. And in, 
when United got that first goal, um, you know, you got that sense that this could be a special night at Old Trafford. And uh, thankfully, in the end, it was, um, you know, Maguire popping up with, uh, with a really good finish. Um, I thought Rashford's goal was absolutely top quality, by the way. Um, the pass from Bruno, um, the way he opened up his body, finished it. Uh, this is a guy who's coming back after three, four months. Um, and uh, he's got two goals in two games. You know, um, so so it was always good to see, um, and then of course the man himself um, in the last last moments of the match, uh, popping up with an absolute world class header. I mean, how many times have we seen this over the years? You know, Ronaldo leaping like a salmon, timing it to perfection, burying the header in the top in, in the bottom corner, um, and you know it rounded off uh, an absolute fantastic second half performance. But again, you know, going into this, and I think it was Paul Scholes that said it at the time. It goes, yeah, it's all right doing it against these teams, but, you know, can you afford to do it against Liverpool on the weekend? No chance. Absolutely mm. no chance. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come to, to, to that very big bridge when we cross it later. Uh, Des Corkill, I mean, it's, supporting Man United is, is akin to, to having this really hot new girlfriend that, that, you know, everybody wants to go out with her, but you, you're just not sure whether she's going to commit armed robbery or, 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 like, ask you for an ice cream, you know? It's, it's, it's a bit nuts. It's a, I want to say a bad word. I want to say it's a cluster bleep. And if you know what I mean, uh, you know what I mean. It's a head bleep. There's a lot of emotion in there from, from you, Ross. Um, and I, I think it's hard Craig not to be. Well, no, Craig made a very good point. United actually played quite well in the first half. And then once they got that, that, that goal from the most fantastic pass from Fernandez. Just an astonishing pass. It's first, it, it, he doesn't realise it's coming to him. First time pass inside to Rashford and a great finish. And you knew, you just knew that United would go on and, and win from there. And when you look at the players in their starting lineup, um, minus Pogba, they're a better team without Pogba. I, 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 they shouldn't be because Pogba's a sensational player, but I think United are a better team. And even a 2 0 down, uh, with with uh, it's not a neutral hat, but with a uh, an observer's hat on, uh, United were playing well. They were dominating the game. The injury to Demiral upset Atalanta mm. quite a bit. I think um, in the second half there was a, just a little bit more space. A little still bit managed to go before he went off though. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he scored. He scored a goal. He scored, he scored, so we're talking about the Ronaldo header. It's a great header from Demiral. Yeah, I don't know why yeah. he's being picked up by Luke Shaw. But yeah. everyone says, oh, bad defending. He's jumped, he's jumped like the Ronaldo Salmon. It's, yeah. a, it's a great header. Yeah. The first yeah. goal is, I think, a beautiful. I, I, well. I would say, I would say, I mean, it, it was poor defending from Luke Shaw as he's lost his man. Um, and it's a free header. And I don't know why Luke Shaw is picking up Demiral because he's, he's the key player. Yeah. Uh, so if you go man to man, you pick up the, the, the opposition. But I thought you had to, actually United played very well, deserved it. And Ronaldo is just a fairy story, isn't he? He's just <laughs> a fairy story. It's, it's, sorry, sorry, just quickly, quickly picking up on that Pogba thing. I thought United played even better when Pogba came on, actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, he made that, quite that, a bit that's, of a difference. That's going to lead us nicely to the Man United Liverpool clash this weekend. Uh, all right. The other Group F game was Young Boys one, Villarreal four. Man United went from literally bottom of Group F when they were two down <laughs> to to currently topping Group F on six points after three played. Atalanta two points behind Villarreal. Same on four. Young Boys on three. Atletico Madrid two, Liverpool three was. And probably is, Bob Holmes, Liverpool's toughest test of the season so far. They dug deep, as you know, they had to, because 
Um, uh, Atletico set themselves up to be, you know, that kind of team. But Mo Salah, man of the moment, man in form at the moment, now has what, 31 goals? He's he surpassed Steven Gerrard as the most Champions League goals for Liverpool. Yeah, no stopping him, is there? Uh, even ended up with the goal that was initially given to James Milner. Um, but there was a bit of luck about that, wasn't there? Um, I mean, the way he cut in and everything was brilliant. He kept beating men looking for an opening, finally unleashed it, and it took a slight deflection, um, and it went in the corner. But uh, took the penalty again under great pressure, but uh, didn't look like it. Very well-struck penalty. Um, I, I mean, unstoppable. And I think I would agree, concurrent form, he probably is the best player in the world. Although Lionel Messi gave us a reminder uh, in Paris, didn't he? Um, on the next night, I think it was. Mm -hmm. um, but um, Salah is absolutely fantastic here. Yeah. Liverpool, um, they looked imperious for about 10, 10 or 15 minutes, passing the ball around, bossing the game. And it looked like they were back to their best of 2018 to 2020. Um, but they came a little bit unstuck. And Nabi Keita is being made the, the fall guy for that. You've got to balance that with a magnificent goal. So Super you've got Nabi Keita's time yeah. at Liverpool really in a nutshell. The only thing he didn't do Super was limp goal, off. Average midfield performance hooked before the end of the game. Uh, yeah, the only thing he didn't do was limp off with an injury. Um, <laughs> he, he, but, you know, you, you feel sorry for him, but he's in his fourth year now and he's Liverpool's third most expensive player in history after Van Dijk and Alisson. Um, and he, you know, uh, it might sound a bit harsh, but he hasn't lived up to it, has he? By now, you would have expected him to be a key member of the side, and he's not. And I'd be very surprised if he starts um, on Sunday. Uh, I mean, the need for Fabinho was was glaring, wasn't it? Um, and he duly came on for the second half and they, they looked a bit more solid. But uh, it was a great performance to go there, the, uh, the Metropolitana, and uh, against all the, um, the gamesmanship by players, manager and fans. And, you know, to come away with three points against a very good uh, Atletico side was a magnificent performance. Yes, there were one or two little vulnerabilities at the back, which we're not used to seeing from Liverpool. Even Van Dijk was not quite the imperious presence that he usually is. But it's only now that we were expecting him to be fully fit. You know, he came back earlier than expected and he seemed to take to the game like a duck to water. It was the old Van Dyke, almost, almost, but not quite. And I think what we're seeing the last couple of games, he's not quite the Van Dyke he was, but he's nearly there. And I think he, he can be forgiven for that, for being out about nine months. Yeah. So a very good night for Liverpool. And they're almost certainly through now. It would take a, a, a miracle for them not to get through to the group to the um, knockout stage play three one three for liverpool in group b the other group b match porto one milan nil poor old ac milan waited ages to get back into the champions league played three lost three um man city 
Uh, in Group A, 5-1 uh, winners away at Club Bruges. Going into the game, Bruges was second. But uh, Craig Marias, this week's number nine at Manchester City is <laughs> Phil Foden. <laughs> yeah, he did um, all right, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I keep saying it every week. You know, what an absolutely <laughs> fantastic talent he is. Um, and, and I mean it when I say this, you know, he could be anything he wants to be. Um, he can play on the left, he can play on the right, in the middle, um, up front as a false nine. And uh, it was a really good performance. I mean, it wasn't really an out and out, you know, number nine performance. He was dropping deep, picking up the ball, allowing the runners to go forward, as we saw um, with the first goal. Um, what, what a ball it was to Cancelo. Um, yeah. And a great finish from, from uh, the fullback. Uh, but it was a dominant performance from, from City. You know, I mean, I don't think they were, they were ever really in trouble. Um uh, Mares as well, you know, chipping in with a couple. Uh, they were they were just really really good. I think Pep said it was their best European performance. Um, I, I don't know about if it was the best ever European performance. I mean, the opposition obviously uh, wasn't the greatest, but they played very very well. And um, yeah, it's it, it's good to see. I mean, they, they are missing a couple of players. Um, it has to be said, but. You know, like City, they we know the squad, the quality that they have in there. Um, and I, I think the big, big plus um, of the night was obviously uh, the youngster, Cole Palmer, uh, mm. coming off the bench and, mm. and grabbing a goal. And he's a very, very good player. Uh, I've been watching him, um, uh, you know, whenever he's played for the City first team. I watched him for the England under-21s. Um, and uh, he, he's a very, very talented player. Not, I, I mean, I don't think he's in the same kind of class as uh, Phil Foden. Um, but he's a very, very good player. And um, if you're an avid follower of youth football and, and things like that and looking for the next uh, up-and-coming player, um, he's definitely got to be on your radar. Yeah. A he's local also boy got, as well. Yeah. Local boy, yep. Two, two footballing names as well. Cole. <laughs> Cole Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other Group A game was PSG 3, Leipzig 2. Leo Messi, uh, you may know him, with a couple, even turned down the chance for a hat-trick, giving Mbappe the penalty. So it's all, it's all coming up roses at the moment in, in Paris. Uh, in Group H, Chelsea 4, Malmo 0, Romelu Lukaku and Timo Werner suffering injuries, Des Corkill. So it's... It's cost the Blues this win. Uh, going into the game, Thomas Tuchel was saying maybe Lukaku was mentally tired. He hadn't had a rest at all, been playing all the way through. I know you're going to go, oh, he earns billions though, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a big, I'm a big Lukaku fan. Um, just a, a little bit of praise for Chelsea and um, and Manchester City. It's difficult to do. I, I keep talking. I focus very much on the amount of money that they spend. But Abramovich did make um, a few years ago the, the pledge that Manchester City would um, try to bring youth players through, would develop the academy. Manchester City have done vast amounts of work on the academy. And so maybe the time when they're spending hundreds of millions every other week is, is, is going to end because you, you're seeing more... Uh, opportunities for 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 players. Uh, Hudson Odoi has got a chance now to replace Werner and or Lukaku. Uh, you've got a chance for Ruben Loftus Cheek to really show uh, that that he is an England quality player. And these are players that are being developed by Chelsea, and uh, it's good to see that they come through. Uh, yeah. I'm very pleased about that because uh, it, it's unsustainable and it, it, it's not right if people are going out spending 100 million here, there, and everywhere. Um, Chelsea in this game 
to, to refer to the game, were utterly dominant. Um, they're a really, really good side. And if Lukaku comes off, uh, Kai Havertz comes on. So the, the, the multi-billion or the, the billion-dollar clubs will always have this massive advantage of being able to call on wonderful reserves. But the, the, the thing I like from them and Manchester City and Liverpool and United have always done it, is that we are seeing a preponderance of younger players uh, or homegrown, genuinely homegrown players coming through. And I think that's only a good thing because it can help bring the spirit of the clubs back to the fans because uh, now- all this money. Yeah. You lose out a little bit if you don't have homegrown players. And and now the, the new breed of homegrown players are willing to go abroad as well to ply yeah. their trade, as you said. Tomorrow, tomorrow in AC Milan. Exactly. Actually, yeah. So it's all, all good news all around for, for England in the future. Uh, it is coming home, for anyone listening. <laughs> was the group- comment. It was a club <laughs> comment. It was, it was praise for the clubs. Other Group H, Zenit nil, Juve won. Juve maintained their 100% record in Group H. Uh, nine points, played 3-1-3. Three, Chelsea, six points in second place. We've got to talk about Leicester City in the Europa League. Quick word, Bob. Do you know much about this guy they call Patson Dakar? I watched this game and there was no inclination he was going to get four goals. Not after the first 45 minutes. <laughs> no. Well, I know that he's not a local boy. Uh, he's Zambian. <laughs> he comes from Zambia, but Leicester signed him from uh, Salzburg in uh, Austria. Mm. They paid uh, a, 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 I think 22 20, million. 22 yeah. million, yeah, for him. So is that, that type of signing, they obviously saw something in him. They took a punt on him. He was the leading scorer in the Austrian league. Um, so he's, you know, he's, they, they'd watched him. And uh, he struggled to make his mark because Jamie Vardy and Ian Acho have been doing so well and even playing together. Uh, but he's looked on as a kind of long-term successor to um, Vardy. I mean, he is, uh, he is about 13 years younger. So it's a natural progression. And he certainly took his chances, didn't he? Yeah. Banging in four, uh, he bundled in the the fourth against United at the weekend, didn't he? Uh, to get off the mark. It was his first goal in five games. Five, five so goals in a week. Not bad, eh? Not bad. He, and he's broken his duck in both uh, the, the Premier League and, the, um, and in Europe. So uh, he looks pretty decent, actually. I mean, I know they were, they were kind of Vardy-esque goals, weren't they? They were kind mm-hmm. of tap-ins and mm-hmm. close range. But there was, certain, there was a certain aplomb with which he took them. You can usually tell a striker, a natural striker, with the confidence that they find, find the back of the net. So I think he's one to watch, definitely. Yep. Yep. Well, a good win for Leicester. They were two down in Moscow. Uh, so 4-3 win. They still have a lot of work to do in Group C. Legia, Warsaw and Napoli ahead of them in that group. We'll talk about West Ham and uh, Spurs later because they meet this weekend. We're going off for our very first break. Oh, they On the ball on BFM 89.9. This is On The Ball on BFM 
And here we all are, Des Corkill, Bob Holmes and Craig Marias joining me to look forward to game week nine of the EPL season. There's a Friday night game. I, I actually quite, yeah, with cricket on, I, I will be awake for this one. I, I hope it's exciting enough. Aston Arsenal in 12th, take on Aston Villa in 13th. It's a Saturday 3 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Des Corkill. Arsenal, well, they're unbeaten in six under Arteta, uh, the the revival. But the last two have been draws. Uh, they were lucky to come back in in the last game against Palace on Monday. I think they showed good resilience against Crystal Palace to come back because uh, Palace had turned that game completely around, and Arsenal really said, "Ah, we can't lose at home to Crystal Palace because otherwise our mini recovery will 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 count for nothing." And they they poured players forwards, got a little bit of luck for um for, for the equaliser, late equaliser, but it showed the resilience I didn't think this Arsenal team had, uh, or they hadn't shown so far this season. Um, the counter to that is Aston Villa caved in last week against Wolves, and you wonder what that does to a team when you lose a two 0 lead. They didn't cave in actually; they they were very very unfortunate. But you wonder what that does to a team, whether you think uh, the, the the odds are against you. So this is a this is an intriguing game for both because Arsenal are getting better from a very very doubt, uh, du- dubious start. They're looking like Obama Yang looks like he wants to play. He's still not. Uh, in the form that he, he was in the past. They're looking a little bit more resilient. They look uh, like they've got a little bit more substance about them. Um, but they've got to beat Villa. I think they've got to uh, press on with that. Where are they? 12th in the table. If they were to lose this, then they suddenly get dragged down towards that lower mid-table and way out of any European contention, even this early in the season. Or not way out, but difficult. Um, same for Villa. Same yeah. story. We yeah. all expected so much out of Aston Villa. So two promising teams who've got to deliver on their promise. Yeah, no, no more excuses from Dean Smith now. He's got the players to work with. So, I mean, last week, Craig, it, the, the loss to, to Wolves at home must have been hard to take. They were ahead. They looked like getting the points and then boom. Yeah, 2-0 at home as well, weren't they? Um, yeah. You know, 2-0 up and was it last 15 minutes? I mean, <laughs> ten, Wolves just... Ten, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. I mean, three goals in that period. Um, they got lucky in a couple of those. Um, there's there's no, you know, two ways about that. But, you know, they like they said, you know, similarly to Arsenal, they poured bodies into the box. You know, they wanted to make something happen. Obviously, that first goal, and then, you know, you get a lift. And then after that, it's nothing to lose, really. It's either that they're going to lose the match if they sit back or they pour bodies forward. Um, you know, they might get something. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they had a bit of luck from that free kick as well, massively. <laughs> the, 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 the winner, I mean, how cruel can football be? Um, but, yeah, no, you've got to give credit where it's due. You know, they've never stopped believing that they could get something from the match. Probably didn't expect three, but, um, you know, 2-0 down with 10 minutes to go away in a derby. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, from a Villa perspective and Dean Smith, you know, that that could have been a big... I mean, they haven't been great this season. We've talked about the signings, the money that they spent. Yes, losing Jack, Jack Grealish was, was a big, big thing for them, but... His replacement, um, whether it's direct replacement or not, Leon Bailey, we know he's a fantastic player, but he hasn't been fit this season for mm. them. Wendina hasn't really got into the swing of things in the Premier League. Um, so, you know, Danny Ings, we know he's going to chip in with goals. I mean, that that was a great, great signing. 
but they're still not functioning as a team. Dean Smith still doesn't know his first 11 or hasn't had the chance to play his first 11. Um, so it's, it, it's a weird one. You know, it's, it's always tough when a manager who has never worked with that kind of budget suddenly gets given that, signs all these good players, but, you know, in the end, is not able to field them or doesn't know how to field them tactically or set them up tactically. Um, I, I like Dean Smith. I, I think he'll come good. But what I will say is maybe our predictions of Aston Villa's uh, or where they're going to finish was a bit premature in the season. We saw these fantastic players go to Villa Park, but um, will they hit the heights? Will they get to the places that we expected pre-season? I don't think so. Um, can they cause Arsenal an upset this weekend? Of course they can. <laughs> they can. They're, they're capable of doing that uh, because you don't know what you're going to get with Arsenal. Um, I, I'm going to go for an upset here. I, I really am. Yeah, I, I think Villa can uh, put, you know, the, the disastrous result behind them from last week and, and get something from this. I don't think they would, but they'll get something, sorry. News is that uh, Leon Bailey and Bertrand Traore are both available. Uh, Matt Cash was taken off with a dead leg uh, uh, against Wolves last week. He should be available. Arsenal will assess Bukayo Saka taken off against Palace. On Monday night, apparently, according to Arteta, he has fitness concerns over two or three other unnamed players. It is the Friday night match, 3 a.m. Saturday morning. It kicks off Arsenal in 12th, Aston Villa in 13th. A win for Villa would put them above the Gunners. Chelsea in first, Norwich in 20th. Uh, it's it's <laughs> the... <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Um, Bob hopes it doesn't matter if Chelsea are missing Lukaku and Timo Werner for this one, does it? No, they'll be uh, relieved to see that it's Norwich next up when they It'd lose still be a big scoreline, won't it? Um, well, Norwich have actually... Uh, scavenged, I think it's probably the word, uh, a couple of points lately. Um, not setting the world on fire, but they've broken their duck. Uh, perhaps they're getting a little bit tighter in defence, looks like it. Uh, but you, I mean, you would have feared for them had Lukaku been um, been fit and, and, and Werner even. Um, poor Werner. I think he's the unluckiest player around. I mean, you saw the, um, he managed to come up with a Werner-esque miss, didn't he? Um, I mean, it was a, a clearance more than, a, than an attempt on goal from about two yards in, that, in the uh, Champions League. And then he goes and gets injured after Lukaku. Lukaku limps off. He must have thought, this is going to be my big chance. You know, <laughs> Lukaku's injured. I'm, I'm going to show everybody what I can do in Lukaku's absence. And a few minutes later, he goes and gets cropped himself. And he's out for a similar length of time. I mean, really, I don't know what the guy has done in a previous life. But he's, <laughs> he doesn't have the greatest luck, does he? <laughs> he really doesn't. Um, no, I mean, it's a chance for the likes of uh, Loftus-Cheek, who's been coming on nicely. Um, I mean, he was almost a forgotten man, wasn't he? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he was out on loan when Tuchel took over. I, mean, I think Tuchel was hardly aware of him, but he's, he's given him his chance and he's been taking it. And he's even looking a little bit more likely as a goal scorer. Um, I think that was a part of his game that was always missing he managed to get to the um, World Cup in 2018 and it was quite a, a, a key part of the England side but 
you felt that if he could only add goals to his repertoire, you know, he'd be some player. And then he got injured and never really recovered uh, after that. Never recovered his form anyway. Went on loan to uh, Fulham. But he's looking like he's coming back. So uh, that's a good sign. Hudson Odoi, as uh, Des mentioned earlier on, uh, will get a chance. Hudson Odoi is so fed up with England that he's talking about taking a different nationality. Um, but that's nothing to do with his opportunities at Chelsea. Thinking of playing for Ghana instead of England, apparently it's possible. But uh, no, it should, should still be a walk in the park for Chelsea. But they'll, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see who gets the goals for them. Norwich have lost in each of their last 10 Premier League matches in London. The last time they got a point was in 2015 in a 2-2 draw against West Ham. Uh, it must have been back in the old ground. Um, uh, all right, we're going for another break. Stay tuned. More Game Week 9 previews right after this. It's Temo Puki. He sends Michael the wrong way. On the ball on BFM 89.9. On BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Bob Holmes, Des Colkill, and Craig Marias joining me this weekend or this Friday evening to preview this weekend's Game Week 9. Fantasy League managers, don't forget to sort your teams out. There is a Friday night match. Um, this uh, and, and good luck in the BFM League this season. It is brought to you by my-soccer.com. Also, if you want to follow us, it's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Looking forward to the weekend's action then. Um, Crystal Palace against Newcastle. Well, it's, Steve Bruce is gone now. Uh, um, Des Corkill and... Um, so they, they, they've got interim man in charge. I'm trying to find his name. Graham Jones. Graham Jones. Uh, yeah. the, the first team coach is, is going to be in charge. I mean, what can you expect from, from this? Will they, will they fight differently? Were they not fighting under Steve Bruce? Um, firstly, before we talk about the game, the comments from Steve Bruce uh, about um, how his family was, has been attacked and... Uh, He's being called fat, he's being called useless, he's being called all kinds of things. Uh, the preponderance of abuse coming, particularly on social media in, in, in the modern day, is, is something that needs to be mentioned, um, more than mentioned, that needs to be absolutely... Uh, I mean, we, we, we mentioned it about, about on the racism, but it, it, it works both ways. It works um, on, on individuals as well. These guys are, are, are human beings, and if somebody gets that kind of abuse, it, it, it's horrible. And I, I wish football criticisms, football opi opinions are great. Football criticism is great, but anything else just is out of order. Um, I don't say he earned, he earned that, that £8 million, but I'm glad he's walked away as a very wealthy man uh, from this Saudi business. So um, so that's one thing at, at the top level. As for Newcastle, they're in a relegation dogfight. 
Yeah, um, winless after eight, talk, three draws, five losses. Yeah. They don't lie, yeah, right? The all stats. the talk is about uh, new coaches coming in, m- millions of dollars coming in, but they're going to have to deal with what they've got at the moment. And I liked what Steve Bruce had done. I thought this year Newcastle were actually trying to play more attacking football. Um, remember the game at Old Trafford where United went 4-1 and it was all about Ronaldo? Newcastle played great that day. And they, they, they played well. They've tried to get forward an awful lot more, but they've been too porous defensively, uh, conceded too many goals, and they're in a relegation fight because players, super players coming in or expensive players coming in with a brand new coach, if it is Fonseca um, at, uh, at, at, in, in the transfer window, that's no guarantee that they'll be able to pull away. They should pull away. Um, even with the players they've got, but it's certainly no guarantee. And um, th- th- this is tough. Palace, Palace are great. I have no idea how or why I said I thought they would go straight down. Well, I do know why I said it, but I was so wrong. Uh, yeah. Palace are just terrific. They play on the front foot. They're attacking. They're vibrant. Uh, Vieira seems to have produced um, something very, very quickly at Palace. And uh, they were great at Arsenal. Um, and Newcastle have... This could be another loss against them. You're then nine games into the season, a quarter of the way through, and you've still only got three points. That's that's worrying times for Newcastle. Yeah, newspapers are reporting that uh, Paolo Fonseca, the ex-Roma manager, is being talked to right now uh, by the Newcastle hierarchy. Uh, Graham Jones in the dugout this weekend. Bob, as as Des mentioned, they're going to be up against the Palace side in front of their home fans. Palace, Sellers Park, on a good day, is a rocking stadium. Literally. I mean, it just reverberates. Um, I mean, I don't fancy Graham Jones's job this, this Saturday afternoon. No, you're right about Sellers Park. I think it was voted the uh, most atmospheric ground in recent years. I mean, you... <laughs> Most people would say Anfield, right? Yeah. But Sellers Park got it. And it wasn't because of, of COVID or anything. It was before COVID, obviously. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, this is a tough one. And, and you, you have to ask, are there three worse teams in the league than Newcastle? Uh, well, I think we can safely say Norwich. But then would you say some of the other candidates, Watford, Burnley, Southampton, Palace. I mean, it's debatable, isn't it? And so also, really also is... you, you throw into that, Bob, January transfer window, right? Yeah. But will anyone want to come? Will the big boys? I mean, the, you know, they're talking silly money for yeah. top-notch players. That's if, the thing when a, clubs know well, that you have money, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they, they don't mind paying over the odds because they've obviously got it. But, I mean, would a top-notch player, would even a medium-notch player want to go to Newcastle, a Newcastle side that may well still be in the bottom three in uh, the halfway through a season in January, in the January window. Um, I don't think it's a very attractive proposition. You reckon if they they offered PSG money, Mbappe will will go before the summer? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's laughable, isn't it? it? It really is. I mean, there was talk, well, not talk, but <laughs> I think uh, dreams among the Toonami that the likes of Mbappe would would end up at uh, St. James's Park. Um, no, I mean, get real. I mean, eventually the money has got to tell. 
But I think there is a quite a real prospect of Newcastle go, going down simply because they're not very good and they can't spend the, what money they've got until uh, January, which is going to be halfway through the season. And for the reasons I've just stated, who would want to go there? There'd be one or two uh, loanies and guys who are not getting um, getting a run out for their team, you know, not playing much, guys who've got splinters in their backside from sitting on the bench too long, that sort of player. They'll pick up a few players. It's possible to pick up a few decent loan players or whatever, but you're not talking about world stars going there. It won't be, if they are expecting a cavalry, of world-class players in January, they've got, they're going to be disappointed. So it's going to come down to Graham Jones and whoever takes over from him to, to sort them out. They've, they're not that bad, um, but there are other teams that are just as good as them. So it will be a dogfight. Um, all, all right. Crystal Palace 14th, Newcastle 19th. It's Saturday at 10 p.m. It, this could well be Patrick Vieira's biggest win as Palace manager. I'm just putting that one there. <laughs> I'm just putting that one there. Um, top, but the battle for off the top four sides. I'm talking about Brighton in fourth against Man City in third. Sunday, half past midnight. I mean, Brighton, let's, I mean, theoretically anyway, uh, Craig, can, can solidify their top four position with a win. I mean, you must be impressed with how Graham Potter's men have gone about their football this season. Unbeaten in, in the last three, although they haven't won in the last three. I just didn't want to say three draws in the last three. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it definitely sounds a lot better, doesn't it, when, when you say they're unbeaten in the last three. Um, no, but I mean, what a great start to the season from Brighton and, and, um, and Graham Potter. But it's one of those, right? Every season we see a team that, that flies to the top of the league and um, and after that, the only way is down, really. Um, you, you know, I've, I've loved what Grand Potter has done with Brighton over the last few years. It was a big decision, obviously, to, to get rid of Chris Hewton. Um, but it seems like it's been the correct decision. I mean, they made that decision on the basis of uh, playing better football, uh, moving further up the table, and they've done all of that. And uh, I'm a big fan of Grand Potter. You know, I said it, you know, even when he was at Swansea, I thought it was a great appointment um, because he plays the game the right way um, and he manages to get plays to fit in his style of play. I mean, some of the signings that he's done, it's not that we've heard of them. You know, they've come from the German uh, second division and, 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 you know, places like that. But he's managed to mold them together, make them into Premier League players. Um, and they're a very good outfit. They're very difficult to break down. They're very difficult to play against. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it, it's not a tricky one uh, for City because of the quality that City have. But um, Brighton will pose City problems um, for me. You know, they're, they're awkward, awkward team to play against uh, because they come at you. I mean, you know, three, four years ago, we'd see Brighton just sitting back and, and, and kind of soaking it up the City pressure, 70% possession for City maybe or something along those lines. But with this, you know, Pep Guardiola will be going into this game uh, knowing that, you know, Neil Mopay will, will pose a bit of a problem to, to his, um, his centre-backs. Um, you know, Trossard, another very, very talented player, um, you know, will pose... Um, uh, Chucharella you know, uh, settled in well. 
Chucharella, what? Where's he come from? You know, he, <laughs> right? he plays like yeah. a winger half the yeah. time. You know, flying down, um, you know, that that wing. So it, it, those are the kind of signings that I'm talking about, where he seems to find them in the lower leagues of of, of certain places or or unheard of players. Um, and it, and it's just a great asset that he has. You know, they've got a great team that they're building there behind the scenes as well at Brighton. So I wonder if Newcastle are taking right note direction. of all this. I wonder if Newcastle are just going, hmm, Graham Potter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just going to touch on that briefly because I didn't get a saying just now. But, I mean, some of the names that they're linked with Newcastle in terms of big managers, are they ready to get their hands dirty and get Newcastle out of a relegation scrap? Antonio Conte. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, I can't imagine that he wants to get his hands dirty and and, and lift this, this group of players out of that relegation battle. Well, um, but yeah, safety bonus. Survival yeah. bonus. That's yeah, the only million pounds help. Exactly. <laughs> that should sort it out. Yeah. Yeah. Des and I agree on something. Um. All right. What uh, about Big Sam? Big Sam. <laughs> He's been there, done that, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. He has. But would, would he do it again? For the money? Yes, Bob. We'll answer for him. Uh, <laughs> all right. As, as far as Brighton and Man City are concerned, a uh, big news is that Tarek Lamptey has has returned from injury, so he's available for. Potter side, Chicharella on one, one side, Lamptey on the other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Danny I Welbeck is facing some time out. Surprise, surprise. That is Danny Welbeck's season in full flight there. Uh, Pep Guardiola's only injury concern is Ferran Torres because uh, he got injured a few weeks back. Right, uh, final break. We're back talking about a London derby and the big one. The big one of the season. Next. That is a screamer from Phil Foden. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Mason Greenwood after another exquisite pop the pass. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And here we are, Bob Holmes, Des Corkill, Craig Marias, looking forward to West Ham in seventh against Tottenham in fifth. Contrasting results in Europe for both sides, Bob Holmes. Uh, the Hammers are, are flying high in the Europa League, aren't they? They, they? they love playing it. They had a routine win for them, uh, a 3-0 win in, in their group. And uh, that's all going very well. Spurs sent out an entirely different <laughs> 11 to, to play in their Europa Conference League. Uh, they, they didn't get tonked, but they didn't win either. So... I mean, you've got to favour David Moyes and West Ham going into this one, but you never know. It is a London derby, right? Well, on form, you would certainly favour uh, West Ham. Uh, they're making a much better fist of uh, of Europe than Spurs are, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I mean, and Spurs, Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, we've got to mention him. Uh, Spurs uh, messed up in the previous uh, round, didn't they? They um, they sent a weakened side over, lost to lost to some somebody we'd never heard of, and had to um, had to make up for it at uh, White Hart Lane. Can, can I just new, butt in there, the Bob? Lane. Can I just butt in? Normally, European games you you rest the sides because you got travelling, but this is a a trip to Holland. It was a game you could have won, even in fifteen minutes of Son Heung Min. You know what I mean? 
Uh, yeah, and the travelling on uh, on Sunday isn't too great either, is it? It's <laughs> no. about um, it's about three k's up the road, um, so no uh, no real excuse for that. I mean, to rest a few, yes, by all means, but to rest that many, and then now they've got that baggage, as it were, of having been beaten by a, a lesser team in Europe. Um, and they're not certain to get through the group uh, phase. So they, they didn't need that. I mean, it's all right resting. The value you get from resting uh, top players is countered when you lose, and then you've got to struggle. And need, you need those players to get you out of the hole that you've dug yourself into. That's what's it's happened to them already this season in Europe. Harry Kane was uh, had to do the salvage job, didn't he, in the, in the previous round. Um, anyway, getting back to this, West Ham are flying high, as you said, and they are, they are looking very good, aren't they? They really are. And David Moyes, his, uh, he was not considered to be, uh, in quotes, European manager when he got Everton into, um, into Europe briefly a couple of times in his, uh, in his decade or so at Goodison, and he didn't do that well. Now, suddenly, oh, Overnight, I think it's a measure of how David Moyes has matured as a manager. He's not only got West Ham riding high in the Premier League, but he's doing it simultaneously in Europe as well with a small squad, still a relatively small squad compared to uh, other his rivals. So this uh, this is all going swimmingly for West Ham. Antonio is fit. And this, I would put my money on uh, West Ham here, definitely, with the mood Spurs are in. You never know quite this season what Spurs side is going to turn up. Harry Kane is in and out. Uh, got a free hat-trick in Europe the other week, but then struggles in the Premier League to even open his account. So things are not quite clicking at, um, at Spurs, whereas they are in overdrive at West Ham. So I would be surprised if West Ham don't win this comfortably. Well, Vladimir Sufal uh, is out for three games. He's got an ongoing problem, uh, according to David Moyes. Spurs will have their entire first team available because none of them played on Thursday night. So uh, that one is a Sunday 9pm kickoff. West Ham in seventh, Tottenham in fifth. The big one of the weekend, the big one of any football season. I, I'm being disrespectful to I don't care. I don't care. El Clasico. Ah, ah. This Man United against Liverpool, sixth against second, Sunday, 11.30 p.m. Um, Man United, let's start off first. Last year, this tie didn't go off very well. Uh, apparently, if you believe social media, Man United on red alert. Potential protests from supporters ahead of Sunday's clash, Craig. Assuming it all does go ahead, um, what kind of United are we going to see? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, that's the big question. Is it is it going to be a side that, you know, comes out and um, not to say is going to be defensive, but is going to be tighter defensively? Or is it a team that is going to rely um, on the comebacks that, that they've been doing recent times and um, allowing Liverpool to, to go a goal up and then uh, clicking into gear? Um, yeah, it, it's it's a tough one because we know what we're going to get with Liverpool. How would uh, you how would you start the midfield? Because that that is the big problem with Man United. They've got you know that that uh, it's well documented. 
Um, how, who would you play in there? Funny enough, and, and you probably laugh at me, but I'll, I'll still go with McFred. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's crazy to say, um, but it is it is what I'll go with, um, especially against, uh, you know, a Liverpool three, uh, midfield three. Um, I think, you know, they, they have to go with, with uh, Fred and McTominay. Uh, there's no question about that. I do think United play better with them. I mean, say what you want about Fred. Um, I, I actually thought, yeah, he was pretty good um, in the Champions League, actually. Um, he, he, but th this is the thing, you know, I mean, th there's a lot of questions. Why does he play so well for Brazil and, you know, not as well for Man United? But I, I think the solution to that is he's not a traditional holding midfielder, is he? I mean, with Brazil, he, he's got the license to bomb for it a little bit more. Uh, we saw that against Atalanta. He got himself into a few good positions in their penalty area. Um, so, so maybe it's it's that box to box kind of um, midfielder that you know th that he is. You know, he's not suited to just being restricted and being defensive. And when he's playing alongside McTominay, you know, McTominay can do that. Um, but yeah, I think you know if we're, if we're going, if you're asking me that, I mean, there's talk about the midfield being a three. So having you know um, Fred McTominay and Pogba in there just to match Liverpool up. Um, United don't really play that way. So um, I'm not a big fan of changing that. Um, but, you know, don't be surprised if, if Ole, you know, springs something like that up. I think he um, will, you know. I think he'll yeah. shoehorn Pogba on that left-hand side, play Mason off the right, and, and that's how they'll go. Um, yeah. but I yeah. think the big question mark, the big question mark is is if Marcus Rashford's going to be fit because he's come True. back, he's looked, True. he's looked sharp. Uh, went off with a dead leg in yeah. the week. Um, I expect him to, to start this match. Okay, uh, Liverpool go to Old Trafford uh, with their front three in red-hot form. Scored 14 goals in their last four matches, that front three. Uh, United's backrinders, incapable of keeping clean sheets. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Liverpool on, have on, scored a lot of goals, on, particularly on, on the road. Yeah, I think Liverpool, it, it's uh, more than three goals in each of the last um, six away games for Liverpool, yeah. which is... Unbeaten which is in 21 in all competitions. Yeah, but what I'd like to do is uh, the front three are obviously what everybody talks about and they're sensational. But it's the midfield thrust that really helps you. And uh, there's a 36-year-old who's been very, very part of, uh, very much part of that Liverpool, um, not resurgence, but, but dominance. Uh, James Milner is just a remarkable athlete, a remarkable footballer. And he gets no mentions. Uh, it wasn't him who was pulled in, in midweek. It was Naby Keita. Uh, just to, to strengthen Liverpool up. So James Milner is not seen as a, as a weakness. He's played right back. He's played left back. He's played number six. He's played an, 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 a, the, in the number eight position. And that, that togetherness or that um, team ethic is, I think, more valuable to Liverpool than all of the fabulous work of, of Salah and um, Mane uh, scoring his 100 goals. Salah, the first Liverpool player to score in nine games in a row in midweek. I think it's that teamwork that truly is what marks the Klopp teams out and will give them an advantage um, of getting a result at Old Trafford because you know what Klopp teams are. Craig said it. You know what a Klopp team will give you. They'll press, they'll harry, they'll make life difficult, they'll be clinical, they'll try and hit on the bake. You don't know what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, um, is his, his team is going to do. You don't know their tactics. You don't know their DNA. I still question, is he the man in charge? Who's making the decisions? Uh, um, 
And, and that is a fundamental difference between the two. Against that, United are on the back of that thrilling um, comeback and late victory against um, uh, Atalanta in midweek. Liverpool don't have a good record at Old Trafford. I think they, it's, won uh, they win there once every seven years. They won there last year, but the time before that was 2014. time before that was 2008. So Liverpool do not have a great record there. They're memorable when they do win there, but it's not a great record. And that, that Old Trafford crowd, they do get up for this. You do see this as the big one. People from Liverpool don't. We see Everton, I promise you, we still see Everton as the big one. Oh, but, he um, says that, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've said that, I say that time in, time out. But um, which means that United will really give this a go. It'll be a thriller. Could be nine eight. Could be a cracker. <laughs> <laughs> could be Man, could be nil nil as well. Well, Man United, I but I don't see it unless no. unless Solskjaer just does defend. And which United defending at Old Trafford? Hmm? Well, this is it. Going into it, we know about Liverpool, but Man United, Bob, are just as likely to get battered by Liverpool as they are becoming the first team to beat Jurgen Klopp's side this season. They are unpredictable. I mean, Liverpool will be wary of them. I mean, uh, Paul Scholes supposed to have said in midweek that uh, Jurgen Klopp would be rubbing his hands while watching United in the first half, I should think, uh, against Atalanta and was very negative about uh, United. Uh, well, he, he might have rubbed his hands about certain aspects of the game, but he would also have been very wary and he'll tell his players to be wary. And if United come roaring out of the blocks and the Stretford end is right behind them and they get, seem to be getting noisier, Liverpool could be in for a bit of a, a you know, a, a torrid sort of opening to the game. I think he'll be warning his players that that could happen. United have been sometimes poor, uh, very slow starters in games. You can think of several occasions this season and last season when they were criticised for being slow starters, but they can actually come also come out of the blocks flying. And I think this is likely to be one of those occasions to try to catch Liverpool uh, unawares and get the crowd ensure that the crowd is going to be right, right behind them. So I, I would say Liverpool are favourites, but don't discount uh, a shock here. I'd just like, if, if there's time, I'd just want to ask Des if he softened his opposition to VAR after what happened in the Atlanta, uh, in the Atletico game. Because VAR intervened twice correctly and it favoured Liverpool, and it didn't take too long. What do you reckon, Des? Um, no, I haven't changed my mind. Um, but my, my arguments aren't about individual, individual situations. My arguments are about the, the whole ethics of it. Um, you win some, you lose some. I, I, Liverpool were lucky to get away with the, the, the non-call against Jota or the reverse. Bravest man, by the way. In the world was that German referee. Can you imagine changing your mind in Madrid? Gosh, he has cocones the size of oh, they're, they're, oh what a man! <laughs> but Simeone um, was going no, for no, him I at haven't the end, changed I my mind. I, I think I think it's dreadful. All right, we're going to leave it there. We've set you up now nicely for the weekend's football. Hope you enjoy it. I've got to say thanks to Bob Holmes. Thanks everybody. I hope this weekend is as good as the week was. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks, Craig Marias. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the big derby on Sunday. Take another 3-2 spectacular, wouldn't you? Uh, Des <laughs> Corkill, thank you. 
Yeah, I'd take a 3-2 spectacular so long as it's Liverpool's <laughs> way. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On The Ball next Friday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.